welcome to episode number 193 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brad Allen, Stephen Andrus. Follow them on the Twitter at Brad Allen NFL at Stephen Andrus One. If you want to follow me at Matt Brown M2, we are going to run down each and every game on your week 13 slate here. And guys, week 12 treated us pretty well. I think we were on those games pretty good. I think that we were starting to uh, we're starting to kind of really and truly realize the identity of some of these teams as they have morphed from the beginning of the season to the second half of the season. Only game where I was way, 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 way completely off. Uh, the Panthers last week were just complete garbage. That was uh, completely on me. Horrible, horrible handicap on my part by playing not necessarily because I liked a team, but just, but just because I hated the other team. And that's not a way to go about all this. So huge mistake on my part. I did some, uh, I did some self-reflecting. I went and stood in the corner for half an hour as well and thought about my, all the, all the things that I did and gave myself a timeout. And so now we're back to good. We're back to good here this week in, uh, in week 13. So let's kick things off here. Minnesota Vikings on the road at the Detroit Lions. They are seven point road favorites, 47, 46 and a half, 47 is your total. Brad, I'm going to start with you here on this one. Um, We get a Vikings team last week that, you know, look, it was, I'm not going to say it was like the old Vikings or anything like that, but it was just one of those, you you kept feeling like, okay, here's where they, they, they turn it back on. Okay. Here's, here's where it is. And, and, and this is where they're finally going to get this thing like, you know, close again. And it just never came about. And of course the very unfortunate fumble in crunch time by Dalvin cook, which ended up being an injury as to why he fumbled. I'm not sure why this line hasn't pushed through the touchdown. Is it, is it, if people are valuing Dalvin Cook that much, um, it's still a winless Lions team. And I don't think maybe people realize that the backup situation in Minnesota is about as good as humanly possible, maybe outside of Dallas, that Alexander Madison would be starting on about 20 different NFL teams, if not more. So I don't know, man. I, I understand the Vikings are a really tough team to to bet on and to back because of the way that they play. But this this Lions team is just garbage. I think I would say the line is a reflection a of the fact that the Lions have kept they have covered a lot mm. of games kept a lot of games close, and b that the the Vikings seem to be I think every game except one this season has been a one score game like you know mm. if if they have the lead they they sit on it For the first game between these two I think they're up ten late um, and then you know they, they they nearly lost the game on a two point conversion before their own drive so you know the, these two teams have played a lot of close games this year and. It's, it's tough because you would say if, if, if the Vikings wanted to, they could score 30 here and give up seven and mm. leave. But that's just not really what we've seen from them this season. So it's tough to then go and lay seven and say, oh, this this is the week they do it. But they could yeah. do. <laughs> so um, I yeah. thought, you know, I, I've not had a play. I would say maybe the best way to do it is is the under 46 and a half or 47 here. Just if if we do think that the Vikings sit on the ball if they get a lead, you know, it's tough to see the, the Lions having too much success throwing the ball, certainly. Um, you know, Goff's not done that all season. Maybe running the ball, they, they could have a bit of luck. Um, you know, we spoke last week about some of the injuries on the Minnesota defensive line. I think they, they might be getting Michael Pierce back this week, but they're still down the other three starting defensive linemen. So they could have some success, the Lions running the ball. So maybe the under, but uh, no strong views, really. Steven, you are on this one, and you did go ahead and, and lay the seven here with the Vikings. Like I said, I, 
I I think people maybe are valuing the the Cook situation too much, or maybe giving a little bit too much credit to this Detroit Lions team. But you know, again, if we go by our power ratings, if we go by what we you know have just seen on the field so far, this Vikings team is just vastly superior to this Lions team. And again, that backup situation with Madison coming in, I mean, he is he's as good as twenty five other starters in in the league right now. So. I don't know. I um, I do have the Vikings in, in, a, in a teaser leg, actually in multiple different teaser legs, taking that seven down to one. But I might end up laying the seven as it comes down to it as well. I did debate whether the minus seven full game or a minus three and a half first half was a better bet mm-hmm. for a lot of the reasons Brad was mentioning about just Zimmer taking his foot off the gas in the second half of these games when he gets a lead. I wound up just taking the seven uh, for the full game. Overall, I just kind of look at this game holistically. The market has these teams eight and a half, nine points apart on a neutral field. When they played earlier this year in Minnesota, the Vikings were a 10-point favorite in Minnesota. Now they're a seven-point favorite at Detroit. And at this point in the season, you can't tell me if they're eight and a half or nine on a neutral that a game in Detroit is worth two points of home field advantage for a winless team and a crowd that's really not going to be that into it. So. Um, I think anything less than seven and a half here is a is a good bet for Minnesota, just based on what the market has had these teams in terms of closing lines. I echo what you say about losing Dalvin Cook. The last four games Alexander Madison has played where he's had at least 20 carries, he's gone for 95 plus yards. So I'm also going to be looking for, for rushing yardage props on him. I don't see any yet at the moment as we record this on Thursday morning, but keep that in mind for his last four full-time games. And the Detroit's still banged up. They had three more players on defense that didn't practice on Wednesday. I just think that at this point in the season, compared to where they were before, and we're getting three less points on the spread for the Vikings as a favorite, the Vikings are a team that are moving towards a playoff position here. Uh, Despite the loss to San Francisco last week, I still like this team for the rest of the season to play very well. Don't forget, they already beat the the. Packers a couple of weeks ago and Detroit's just in a world of hurt right now. I mean, last week was their chance to win. They lost. And I just, I don't see any reason to back Detroit in a game um, to cover one possession for the rest of the season. Look at that across the board. Simpatico on that one. Again, like I said, uh, Stevens on the, has laid the seven. I have him in several teaser legs as well. New York football giants on the road at the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins are four to four and a half point home favorites. 40 and a half to 41 is your total here. Steven, if we take a look here, the Dolphins on a win streak, the Giants, um, listen, they won last week, probably shouldn't have, but hey, a win is a win is a win. It doesn't really matter. They only put 13 points on the board, but that was good enough. And so... Now we have a situation where the quarterback deal is a little bit murky. There's a neck situation going on with Daniel Jones. If it's not Daniel Jones, it'd be Mike Glennon. Daniel Jones says he wants to play. So I don't know ultimately if the decision will be up to him anyway. So we're a little bit murky on this on this uh, quarterback deal for the Giants, which always leads us to a weird situation when it comes to betting. That being said, of all the quarterback situations out there, I don't know how much you really value Daniel Jones compared to compared to Mike Glennon really anyway so uh I, I don't it doesn't really affect my handicap all that much in this thing yeah if, if you look at the market and power ratings based on closing lines Miami's about two points better on a neutral than the Giants uh it's sitting at four and a half right now as we record this and that's because of 
the Daniel Jones question. We don't know if he's playing or not. So um, right now you're kind of guessing at this point. It seems like he's not going. Um, usually a neck injury is not something that teams rush or, or force a player out there, especially if it's your quarterback. So um, if Daniel Jones was playing, I would say four and a half is is probably too much. I don't think two and a half points for home field for Miami is is warranted. Uh, but at the same time, this is still a Giants offense that only scored 13 points against the Eagles last week and 4.6 yards per play. Frankly, they were lucky to win that game and get some turnover luck uh, from Jalen Hurts. This is still the num- number 26 plus pass block win rate offensive line for the Giants facing the number six pass rush win rate defensive front for the Dolphins. And when the Dolphins have the ball, I, this is the most hilarious matchup of the week, guys. Dolphins offensive line dead last in pass block win rate, but they're facing the dead last pass rush win rate of the Giants. So they actually get a matchup that they can handle this week. And Tua in the last three starts has been pretty solid. 12th overall in EPA, 9th and 11th in drop back EPA and success rate. So I think the market might actually be underrating the Dolphins a little bit to only have them two points better than the Giants. I think a lot of games for the Dolphins where Tua wasn't playing, maybe factoring into that so that ultimately the question is is four and a half too much and i think that's a tough question to answer the look ahead was only two and a half for the dolphins here so it's to bet the dolphins you're betting the worst of the number at this point and that's not something i generally like to do Stephen just spent 20 minutes telling us he doesn't know whether he's going to bet this game yeah, or not. So, sorry. sorry, Brad. <laughs> we'll, 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 head over, we'll, head, we'll head over to you. Um, so I actually do think, no, but one of the things Stephen said, I, I actually do agree with. I think this Dolphins team is a little bit underrated because whatever it is, people still don't view Tua as good, even though the advanced metrics and the numbers kind of back up that he is at least above replacement level, at least as above average quarterback in the NFL. Um, and then you look at this defense that I think a bit under the radar a little bit is a little bit better than people think as well. Um, I think if this was Mike Glennon, the four would be a slam dunk for me to bet the Dolphins. If it was Daniel Jones, it's a little bit more murky. Uh, what say you on this thing? Yeah, I think the line probably tells us it's kind of 50-50, right? They, mm-hmm. They've downgraded yeah. it a point and a half from when Jones was in there. Um, and honestly, I, I don't have a better take. You know, I was reading some of the beat reports earlier and I, d- I don't think anyone really knows. Like, you know, they were talking about playing the long game, see how he responds. So I, I don't really have a good feel. Um, but agree, yeah, Tua, Tua leads the NFL in completion percentage over expectation since he's come back. He's been, you know, he's been accurate. Um, and then this defense is fourth in EPA allowed over the last month uh, since they got their corners healthy. So, you know, broadly agree that they are, you know, a sneaky good team, maybe an eight or nine win team. Um, but yeah, got, got, got to wait till there's more certainty on the, on the quarterback, basically. Yeah, absolutely. So if any, if you're, by the time you're watching this, if you know the news, then like I said, it, if it's Glennon, I, I definitely like the Dolphins. If it's, if it's Jones, I think this line's probably fairly appropriate. Tampa Bay Bucks on the road at the Atlanta Falcons. The Bucks are big, big 10 and a half to 11 point favorites in this one, guys. A total of 50 and a half. Brad, I'm going to kick things off with you here because you tend to play a little bit. You tend to play totals a little bit more than Steven and I do. And I look at this and I understand that the Bucks defense hasn't been all that. Certainly it doesn't resemble what we saw in kind of the second half 
of last year where they were playing, you know, lights out defense or anything like that. But we do have a Falcons offense that is just really, really struggling to do anything here. I see 50 and a half in this game and it just feels like it's a little bit too high, but maybe this is just one of those deals where, you know, maybe they wouldn't have to put up too many points because the Bucks put up 38 on their own. So I, I don't really know. What, what do you think of, of that total? And then what do you think of the game overall? Yeah, I would say I don't think the Bucks struggle to score. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the Falcons, they're, they're another one of these teams built to stop the pass. They're quite light. They're quite fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but you can push them around a bit like the Patriots went in there and shoved the 25 nil on them. Like, And the, the Bucks, they get Ali Marpet back this week. You know, the, the offensive line is fully restored. They've got enough weapons, even without Antonio Brown, I think, to get, just go in there and put up 35. I, I don't see any reason for that not to happen, basically. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a case of, can the Falcons chip in? Now, I would say the first time these two played, I think the total was 52. So it's come down a little bit. And some of that's, we've lost Calvin Ridley. Um... And they, they have been playing a lot slower without Ridley. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I think that's probably just a kind of an, an admission that they don't have many weapons. It's Cordero Patterson and it's Carl Pitts. Um, and I would also say the Bucks seem to be getting a little bit healthier on the defensive side. They've got Jamel Dean practicing. They, they've got Sean Murphy bunting back. Um, and the third corner, Carlton his name Davis. is currently Iski. Carlton Davis, is, is he practicing as well? Yeah, so he's back out practicing as well. Don't know if he's going to go, yeah. but he could. So it could it could be it could be a much much different look for them. Yeah, so that yeah that that be that be a pretty huge upgrade. Um, so yeah, again, no, I haven't, I haven't got a bet on this one. My, my initial thought was probably to the over because of that fifty two last time mm-hmm. round. Um, but yeah, n- not one of bet. Yeah, so it's the the official hoping he will be able to go on the Carlton Davis thing for for the Bucks here. Steven, when we take a look here, the Bucks offense is not going to be without Antonio Brown for at least the next couple of games. They say two more games at least for him. It's a much better offense when he's out there. That said, they were able to work through Gronk last week and were able to get him super involved. Not, not even, I mean, they didn't really get even a ton of con- contribution from the wide receiver position in the game. They didn't really need it. And so, um, look, I don't think any of us think the Falcons are going to pull the upset here. It just becomes, is that number of 11 too much? Yeah, and it, it's a good question. I think it's... I think it's properly lined, mm-hmm. honestly. I mean, the, the market has these teams around 12 points. You know, it's it's 11 right now, so not really a big edge. The, the one angle I kind of like here is a prop with Antonio Brown still out. Rob Gronkowski over 54 and a half receiving yards. He's gone over that number in four of his five healthy games this season. And in his last two games since coming back from the injury, he's actually out targeting Chris Godwin in this offense. It's almost as if he's taken over a bit of that Antonio Brown role in the short to intermediate stuff. And he's facing an Atlanta defense that's number 29 in DVOA pass defense. So that is the one angle I like here. I think that that number is still a little bit low considering what his role in the offense has been since coming back from injury. Yeah. And I think the only other thing I would look at in this game as well is, is, you know, depending on how much garbage time you think there's going to be, but Ronald Jones is now it's no longer like a split. Like he's a full on backup to Leonard Fournette. Right. Like, and so his prop numbers are still like 
35 and a half rushing yards and stuff and and different things like that. And, and again, you could run into problems if you're taking the under, if you get into garbage time and, and they just, you know, turn to him and don't don't use Lenny in, in garbage time. But if this thing even has a chance to stay even somewhat competitive into the fourth quarter or something like that, I mean, I would take all unders on Ronald Jones because again, he is a, he's a full on backup now. He's, they're not splitting time. It's, it's Leonard Fournette's gig and, and Ronald Jones just gets the little, uh, carry here and there to kind of spell Leonard Fournette. So just, uh, something I would look at there from a prop angle as well. Los Angeles Chargers at the Cincinnati Bengals, one of the premier games of the week because both of these teams are in the playoff hunt. They are fighting for playoff positioning and both, in theory, are still in uh, in the hunt for the number one overall seed because basically everyone is in the hunt for the number one overall seed in the AFC. Everything is so bunched up over there and so um, and so really can, can, plan out, can pan out so much over the next couple of weeks because of all these teams playing each other. Uh, Bengals are three-point home field. Favorites in this one, 50 and a half is your total here as well. Uh, Steven, I'll start with you. Full disclosure, everybody, I have a Bengals ticket in my account. I got this before it got to three, but we'll talk about it as if it's sitting on the flat three right now. I was able to get it at two before it started to run. Um, what do you think about it at three right now? And what do you think about a 50 and a half total? I would need the two and a half to back the Bengals here like you did. That's that's gone now. The market has these teams less than two points apart on a neutral field. Uh, but I just think that the Chargers offense on a week to week basis is just really one of the more difficult offenses to handicap. Uh, and it's, it's just confusing to me because... They are a top 10 offense, but they're 16th and 19th in early down success rate in EPA and fourth and third down conversion rate. And they're facing a defense this week in the Bengals that's top three in early down success rate and EPA, but 19th in third down conversion. So are the Chargers going to convert third downs or not? Like, that's the question you have to ask mm. yourself. And that on a week to week basis is just really hard to handicap. In the, their last five games, they've traded wins and losses. In the three losses, they're only 42% on third down. And in the two wins, they're 55% on third down. So it's just a lot of variance. The one matchup I do feel like I can handicap strongly here and have confidence is when the Bengals have the ball and it's with their run game. They are 10th in run block win rate against the number. 25 run stop win rate. They are 10th and 9th in early down success rate in EPA versus a Chargers defense that is 29th and 26th in early down success rate. And they are the number 15 rush DVOA against the dead last rush DVOA defense for the Chargers. And I think that middle of the road rush DVOA offense for the Bengals isn't really properly reflecting how well they've actually run the ball in recent weeks. In the last three weeks, they're the seventh most run heavy team and two games since their bye week, Joe Mixon has 58 carries for 288 yards and four touchdowns. So we're looking at a prop right now of Joe Mixon at 84 and a half rushing yards. That's a high number for a rushing yards prop, but I'm taking the over here because literally nobody else is carrying the ball for the Bengals and you only need 20 carries at 4.25 per clip, which is less than his season average so far this year to hit that over. And we're actually getting 30 and 28 carries for him over his past couple of games. And it's a pristine matchup against the worst rushing defense in the league. So it's a high number, but I like that over. 
Yes. Uh, so when we take a look at this one, Brad, I mean, listen, everybody knows if they've been watching this for the last 12 weeks, I'm, I'm much higher on the Cincinnati team. I think than most people are. I, I've bet them a lot and it, it's uh, to, to some success and to some detriment as, as well. Um, the thing is, I don't think anybody really doubts the offense, despite the advanced metrics kind of disagreeing. You know, DV, DVOA doesn't like it, but PFF loves it. Um I don't think anybody really doubts what's going on there. Joe Burrow playing at a very high level. You have Joe Mixon, who's really good. You have the three-headed monster at wide receiver. So you kind of got all that. It's really just what do you believe in with this defense? And the metrics were much, much higher at the beginning of the year. They kind of started to sink towards the middle. Now they're kind of back towards the upper middle half of the league from a defensive standpoint. And I mean, we saw a horrible, horrible game last week out of Justin Herbert in this Chargers Chargers squad. And so you do start to wonder if the defense is even eyed, you know, is, is, is this one of those where Cincinnati will be able to do enough on the offensive side of the ball that this number, that this three is never in question. I think last week, Herbert was undone by his offensive line. Um, you know, we they've been starting backups on a right tackle and right guard for like a month now, and they're bad. Um, but the left side of the line was solid, and then left guard Matt Filer went down, and he just had Broncos in his lap the entire game. And that's especially hard when they're still running this offense where they lack team speed, so they have to go on 10-play drives every time, and they have to block up 10 plays and then they can't do it essentially. Um, and so Matt Filer, he, he was limited at practice yesterday. So they should be a little bit improved. I still question whether they can, you know, do this 10, 10 play drive each time against this Bengals defense, which is, it is solid 16th by, by DVOA. It's got better success rate metrics and stuff, but it's been against a very easy schedule. Um, yeah. I, I, I just think the three is probably right. I, I I'm struggling to work out what to do with the Bengals. Like, what? What? I, I don't really get why. Like the the advanced metrics hate them because you know the, the pieces look good, but they're you know 14th in success rate, pretty average. 11th in in yards per play. Like, why? Why are they not better? Mm-hmm. Do you know, <laughs> I, I, I yeah. can't really figure them out. And what, what are you mean, seeing, is, Matt? Is why the play like is the play a division future at this point with how bad the offenses look in that division at this moment? I mean, I think we're getting better in two to one for the Bengals to win the division. Yeah, I know. I think we're getting way better than. Yeah, I mean, I think we're getting better than that. It's it's I've I've kind of gone back and forth with this uh, a decent amount. It's just uh, I think I'm just much higher on this team than most people are. I watch them pretty intently um, every week because I think that the beginning pieces are there for this team to be one that could be a team you certainly don't want to play in the playoffs. And so I don't know. I, I'm, I'm maybe I'm a little bit biased here, but like I said, I, I have it at under three. I'd still play it at three. I think if it got to three and a hook is where I would then kind of bolt and, and bail. But uh, I think that they are better. I mean, I have a power ranked higher than the chargers. I like them better than the chargers. I think at this point, you can't really point to any position on the field and say that it's that much better than what Cincinnati fields. I mean, the quarterbacking situation uh, is, is even or a slight lean to burrow the way that they've been playing this year. If you look at the running back position, Mixon over Eckler every day, the, every day of the week, if you look at the wide receiver position, those three, that trio is probably equal to, or, you know, again, since there's three of them instead of two better than the, the Keenan Allen, Mike Williams combo, which Mike Williams has been MIA the last month and a half of the season for this, for this squad. 
lot. So, you know, I don't know. It seems to me like all things, all things just on paper and you start comparative, you start comparing position by position by position. I just think the Bengals are better. And so um, I, I, I definitely the just defense like defense is much better. Yeah. Yeah. And the defense is much better. So I, I took him in. A, like I said, I played all the way up to three. If we got to three and a hook, that's where I'd start to back off. But, but I do like them all the way up to three. Indianapolis Colts on the road at the Houston Texans. Houston Texans, the worst team in the National Football League, find themselves as nine and a half to 10 point home underdogs to the Colts. 45, 45 and a half is your total. The Colts coming off of that heartbreaking loss this past week to the Bucks, in which they just completely uh, laid down in the second half and were unable to get anything going. The Bucks mouth has come back and, and then the Colts lose. That being said, Colts right in the thick of it still from the playoff standpoint can still play themselves into a position, can still play themselves into a really good position, actually, because, again, of how jumbled up this AFC is. Um, uh Brad, I'm going to start with you here on this one. I want to get your your thought here on this Colts team. We talked a little bit about this last week, and it is, yes, when Jonathan Taylor's rolling, then this team looks really good because you can hide Carson Wentz and you don't really have to rely on Carson Wentz. Well, this past week, the Bucks ended up getting to where they were able to bottle up Jonathan Taylor a little bit. They did have to rely on Carson Wentz, and Carson Wentz played putrid, and they couldn't get anything going in the second half, and they ended up losing the game. Not that this could happen here in this game against the Texans, but it does make you wonder just about this Colts team kind of longer term and what their viability is long term, because eventually they will run into a defense that is going to be able to stop the run. And then when it comes down to Carson Wentz having to make consistent throws, it just doesn't look like that's going to happen very often. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I guess the, they're another team with a, with a ceiling because of that, mm-hmm. you know. That that's probably as as good as they can play. But if you put the game in Carson Wentz's hands, we spoke about it. He's probably going to turn mm. it over a couple of times. Like that's just what's going to happen. Now that the Houston Texans are not going to stop the run, they're not going to take the ball out of Jonathan Taylor's hands. Um, and yeah, I, I, I quite like the Colts to just roll. I, I did lay a little bit of minus nine here. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting note that the Colts have had a double digit lead in nine consecutive games now. Right, they they've been playing as well as anyone mm-hmm. since you know since Wentz his foot got healthier since they. Integrate him into the system a bit better, um, and then you know on the other side of the ball, Mr. Tyrod Taylor. Since week nine return, he's thirty fourth out of thirty four qualifying quarterbacks, two point six adjusted yards per attempt. Um, so he, you know, he, he's got a bit of a reputation still in the market because of what he did early in the season. But since he's been back, he's been terrible. And I think some of that is probably his offensive line. Um, you know, they, they lost Laramie Tunsil. They're now playing the right tackle at left tackle and a bunch of jokers at the other four spots. Um, so you would expect the Colts to eat and I would expect them to move the ball quite nicely as well. Um, so yeah, it just seems quite a cheap price. I mean, well, these two, are th- they played a 38-3 game earlier in the season. Like They're not really in the same stratosphere uh, as, as football teams. Yep, yep. And if you can find a nine, there's still a nine available at, at points bet. Uh, Steven, here's the thing, and this is the reason why I, I do kind of like the Colts side here is because one thing we know about Frank Reich, we've seen it in that win streak that they had going on. He is not afraid to just run it and run it and run it and run it and let Jonathan Taylor go and get 185 yards in a game and get him multiple touchdowns. And and he doesn't, I think he knows deep down as much as he may love Carson Wentz, which by the way, if you guys are watching the in season hard knocks, like uh, he loves him some Carson, like they're like best friends and stuff. But, um, <laughs> but, but it, it, I, he knows deep down what the limitations are and he has been able to hide it pretty well. And I don't think he, he knows how important this game is. He knows this needs to be a layup. 
I don't think he asked too much of Carson Wentz in this game. And I think that's a good thing for if you're back in the Colts. Yeah, the Bible studies are lit in Indianapolis these <laughs> days. Uh, but this this Colts team, I think, was the poster child for when it is good to bet a look ahead line. Like last week on the pod, we talked about how mm -hmm. if you're debating betting the Colts in that game with only a field goal spread, just take that unit and put it on the Colts at minus seven on the look ahead mm -hmm. because that look ahead line was giving the Texans credit for beating the Titans in a game where they just had a bunch of turnovers and the Texans offense was still putrid. So, I mean, we see it now. You're going to get a ton of closing line value on that spread. I do. If you haven't bet the look ahead, I do agree with you guys that it's Colts or nothing for me. Looking at the market, these teams are more closer to 10, 11 points on a neutral field. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys on this game. There's um, there, the, the prop numbers aren't out yet. Unless it's egregious on Jonathan Taylor, I would just play the over here like he's going to get he's going to get 120 rushing yards in this game. I, I mean, it, he's going to get 120 plus in this game. Yeah, like, that's, that's the thing. I, I trust Frank Reich. I think Frank Reich is sharp. Yeah. I think he knows what to do each and every game to give his chance the best to give his team the best chance to win. Nobody runs on that Tampa defensive line. So even though he has Jonathan Taylor, he stopped trying because he knew he couldn't yep. win that way. And Carson Wentz was the only chance he had through the air. In games like this, he's going to feed Jonathan Taylor. He did it against Buffalo as well. So he, it do, he doesn't care about having a nice ratio of run and pass. He yeah. just cares about winning the game. He's going to do whatever he has to, to to do that. Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Jets. The Eagles are six and a half to seven point road favorites in this one. 45, 45 and a half is your total. Steven, we watched the Philadelphia Eagles struggle mightily multiple times. Not being able to put anything more than seven points on the board against the New York football team, New York football giants. And with that, they were unable to to not only lose the game, but they were unable to cover the three and a half that uh, that they were that they were laying in that one. Uh, Jets a different. It's a different ball game with the Jets in this one. But I think of all the big of all the big favorites on the week, if we could see into the future and you said, Hey, one of these big favorites lost outright this week, I'd probably take the Eagles here. I'd, I mean, my answer would probably be the Eagles that the jets were figured out a way to beat the Eagles somehow. So it's tough for me to lay the six and a half or seven, even against a very putrid jets team as specifically jets defense, because the Eagles are just very, very limited as to what they can do. If they can't run it, 45 to 50 times in the game and have success doing that. Then we saw what happened when Jalen hurts kind of has to, to take over and has to do his thing. And so uh, it would be a jet surpass for me in this one, but this one's not currently in, in my account. Is there a bigger pain in the ass team to figure out than the uh, Philadelphia Eagles this not, year? Not this year. This would be, this would be one of the teams where I have, I might've gotten them wrong more times than I've gotten them, <laughs> them right this season. That's for sure. I mean, we loved them real early because of the talent mm. on the roster. Then they go through a month of looking like crap, but they still cover here and there. And then they look amazing. And then we finally want to give them credit against the giants and they lay a complete egg and throw a bunch of picks. Mm. So we're still paying a premium here for this spread. This is this is the biggest favorite the Eagles have been all year. There was no discount off of that Giants loss. 
All that being said, Matt, six and a half would still be a bet for me. I mean, this bet, mm-hmm. this this line was seven and then moved to six and a half when there was uncertainty about Jalen Hurts. It looks like he's going to play. He said he's going to play. It's starting to move back towards that seven, maybe more in some spots. This this is a, a matchup where they should be about nine points on a neutral field. And I don't really think it should be seven at at met life for a Jets game right now when Zach Wilson is the quarterback. I mean, we talked last week about how this New York Jets offense and the scheme looked good with the other quarterbacks in the offense. And it gave us hope that Zach Wilson finally coming back may have learned something and figured it out. Well, he sucked last week. He was mm-hmm. 4.3 yards per play, 3.9 yards per pass. If you include the sack yardage, it was pathetic. It was nowhere close to what we saw with the other three quarterbacks that have played for the Jets in this offense this year. So, Somehow we have found a quarterback that I trust less than than Jalen Hurts. <laughs> I mean, that's right. where we're at right now. All right. Because I mean the, the Jets D Fair. the Jets D matchup is actually pretty decent against the run. They're they're pretty decent in run stop win rate, but that's about the only positive I can find for New York this week. So um I want to take the disc the it's not a discount, but it's Eagles are pass for me at, at this point, just because Zach Wilson just hasn't figured it out. Brad, I, um, I, I try to, I try to be as unbiased as humanly possible. It's just, uh, as Steven mentioned, I think this Eagles team has me at least a little bit jaded just from the curiosity standpoint, not being able to figure out week to week what they actually bring to the table and what they're able to do. And so maybe I'm looking at this through a lens here to where I just have a little bit of built up hatred for, for this Eagles squad. What do you think of a line of, of six and a half or seven against this Philadelphia Eagles team? Um, so I agree with Stephen that it's too light if we think Jalen Hurts is healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you've got to look at this. The play calling last week was maddening. Like I had, yeah. I, had yeah. I had a lot of yeah. positions on the Eagles, yeah. money line, like season long playoff stuff. Um, and like multiple times on third and two, they they threw the ball. Like the, yeah. the, the one drive, I think they had one touchdown drive in the game. They ran the ball nine straight times. They were going at 6.3 yards per carry. They were doing whatever they wanted. And then all the other drives, they were trying to throw the ball. And like, I don't know whether it was because of this ankle that they didn't want to run Hurts, mm-hmm. but then, you know, he looked pretty mobile when he was doing it. Um, or, you know, someone suggested they just want to know what they have. They want to know whether he's he can actually pass the ball. Um, in which case, like, if, if you told me they're going to go out there and run it 45 times, great, I'll, I'll lay seven all day. Yeah. Um, but there is that question there. You know, it, it, does he have a bad ankle? Right. Is he not going to run? Is it is it the Kyler Murray stuff from last year? And we're not going to get a good Jalen Hurts. So is there's enough there that I don't really want to be on it um, this week, to be honest, and, until until we see it again. Yeah, I, I it, again, it's just I, I don't know this one. Anytime I'm sitting here, like and can make a, a really compelling case for both sides is typically a game that I try to stay away from. I mean, if anything, a slight lean to the under at forty five and a half. Because again, if we're if we're gonna have these big long you know, clock eating, chewing up drives from Philadelphia. And we don't think that the Jets are going to be efficient at all on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, a little bit of a lean to the under. But again, no no play in the account quite yet on this one. There is a bunch of of curiosity, I think, for me. Last I'll note. say, mm-hmm. 
notes. Last note, Brad, don't put it past Howie Roseman, the GM, to start meddling here towards the end of the season if they're going to miss a playoff spot because they're trying to figure out with all their draft picks next year whether Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of the future. So wouldn't shock me in the least if they're going to let him pass the ball a little bit more to figure out whether he's the guy. So just something I mean, Howie Roseman is infamous for making sure that the guys he wants on the field are out there and doing that. This this team has that type of culture problem still with him as the GM. So just something to keep in mind here for the rest of the season. Yeah, and and to your point, Matt, on the under, I mean, we could just stick with this this Jets team total under. You probably yeah. get, you, yeah. you definitely get above 17 and a half, which is, I think, all you need. And you've got this, you know, 28th ranked uh, offensive line in terms of pressure allowed, a quarterback who either throw, holds on to the ball too long like he was doing earlier mm-hmm. in the season or he's dumping it off four yards of a cap, four yards down the field like he was doing last week um, against a very, very good Eagles defensive line. So, yeah, I, I can't see the Jets scoring a lot of points. Arizona Cardinals on the road at the Chicago Bears. The Cardinals are sitting right now as seven and a half or eight point road favorites. 45, 45, 44 and a half to 45 is your total in this one. The Cardinals are coming off of a bye. The expectation is that Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins will be back for this team. And that's a big boost. They were able to win two of three with Colt McCoy at quarterback, though. So it is um, that's why they're sitting currently as the number one seed in the NFC. On the Bears side of things, another kind of quarterback situation that we don't really know all that well, because right now, it is it, it, they. The word is is if J, if John, uh, if Fields can go, then he's going to go. If not, it'll be Dalton. Like it's it's one of those where we're trying to sit here and like, okay, what is he, what do you mean if Fields can go that it'll that it'll be him over Dalton? So I, I don't know. Reading all into the lines here, I think Nagy thinks that maybe there's at least a five percent chance that he's going to be able to to keep his job and so he understands that Dalton under center is the is the way to go about that uh, at least it gives him a better chance of keeping his gig than starting the rookie so uh either way doesn't matter to me this is just a perfect uh, this was just a perfect teaser leg for me that I was able to pair up with uh multiple different again I liked it from a, a Viking standpoint I liked it from the early line on the uh, Colts as well so I've got this uh, Cardinals team down at one and a half in a bunch of different places. And I actually don't really care if it's Colt McCoy or Kyler Murray getting them only at one and a half against this, uh, against this bear squad. Um, Brad, when you take a look here, you, you get, you got this Cardinals team that I think that a lot of people weren't really buying in on for the majority of the season, but then we start to see all these teams we thought were good. And all of these teams we thought were good have, have somehow figured out a way to shit the bed somewhere along the way. And (laughs) except for this Cardinals team, really, I mean, they're kind of like the only team that really haven't done that, especially whenever Kyler Murray and and DeAndre Hopkins are out there. I mean, there was the one bad game of Colt McCoy at quarterback. And so um, I don't see a way that they lose this game. I mean, that they don't win this game by at least a field goal, which is why the teaser leg is so incredibly, um, attractive to me here but what do we think about just the seven and a half overall and then what do you think about the total sitting there at 45 45 and a half i think i think it's a very very cheap price for an Mm -hmm. elite team in the nfl here getting like their their weapons back getting their court mvp style quarterback back uh when murray was in there he was leading the nfl Mm -hmm. in expected points added completion percentage over expectation like you know that was that wasn't probably one of the best offenses in the nfl Mm -hmm. so 
their season long offensive DVA sits at ten, but I think you can you can bump that up to like top five easy. Defense DVOA is still still third in the NFL. Um, and they've won every single road game by double digits, right? They, you know, everyone's talking about Sam mm-hmm. Fran and this this win streak. Well, they Arizona went in there three weeks ago with Colt McCoy and demolished them. They went into into Seattle with Russell Wilson and demolished them as well with Colt McCoy. Like, I, I think this is a very, very good team. And it does feel a bit like they're being slept on, um, possibly because of those injuries. Like, you know, as you said, they've just been taking care of business, like just being everyone who's put in front of them. And um, yeah, I, I think they're a genuine Super Bowl contender. Um, and especially this this sort of blitz-heavy scheme that they're going to throw at this Bears offensive line, I think that's going to be a bloodbath. And then, then you talk about the Bears defense, like now they're missing the middle linebacker, Roquan Smith, already got Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks is banged up. Like, I, I don't know, this is, this is a huge mismatch in my eyes. Yeah, I, I just, I, I really, really, truly just, I love this, and I don't know why this this thing had had gotten up to eight and then came back down to 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 seven and a half. So there was some love there for the Bears, at least when it got to eight. There was some some resistance, some buyback there, Stephen. Um, you know, I don't know if it matters to you whether it's going to be Fields or Dalton. You tell me. But uh, I mean, either way, to me, there's no playmaker. They're not getting. You know, Allen Robinson's banged up. He hadn't been able to get out, get on the field the last couple of weeks. Uh, they're not able to move the ball with any sort of consistency or something like that. So it doesn't really matter to me all that much who's a quarterback. I feel like the only angle you could really rationalize here to back Chicago to cover this spread is if you somehow think Kyler Murray is going to be rusty coming back off an of injury. And that's not really something I like to bank on. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we have seen a couple quarterbacks this year come back off an of injury, not play their best, and then the second game look much better. So um, I don't know if I'm going to lay the seven and a half, but Brad, everything you said is music to my ears, man. There have been, we have had absolute huge arguments in the Slack channel with the staff throughout the season about whether the Arizona Cardinals are good or not. And it is great to hear you say those things about them because when Kyler Murray has been healthy, I don't know what people want from this team. Like they have been fantastic. They, they have been the only loss that they've had with Kyler was against the green Bay Packers where they had a special teams fumble on a punt return and then still had a play at the end of the game to try and win it. If AJ green realized that he's supposed to try and catch a pass as opposed to block on a passing play. So I, I mean, I'm with you on that. I I don't know if I want to lay the seven and a half this week, but I am betting the minus two and a half on the look ahead line when they're at home against the Rams next week. I don't, and and maybe it gets shorter somehow, but I, I, I don't want to risk getting less than or having to pay uh, a field goal or more for that game next week against the Rams. I don't trust the Rams right now. I trust the Cardinals and what they've done over the body of work for the whole season. So that's my play this week for Arizona. I'm going to bet them minus two and a half on the look ahead line for that Rams game next week. I would. I'm very interested whenever the prop numbers get posted. I have a feeling the DeAndre Hopkins prop number is going to end up being too high, no matter what it gets posted at. I imagine with him being so valuable and with them sitting him for as long as they did because they wanted to make sure that he was healthy for the stretch run, that he's probably not going to be out there every, I I don't think he'll play a full complement of snaps. I think if anything, his snaps will be somewhat limited. And so I imagine his numbers are going to be too high, but again, not posted as of yet. So something for you guys to monitor whenever those props do get posted in this one. 
Washington football team on the road at the Las Vegas Raiders. The Raiders are two to two and a half point home favorites over the football team, a total of 49 and a half to 50. Steven, we look here at the Raiders coming off by uh, coming. Well, coming off of a kind of a buy. They play on Thanksgiving, so they get that little mini buy thing. And then you get the football team that is look, they won. It was it was more drama filled than it even needed to be, because if you're trying to tell me that a person who kicks a football for a living professionally can't kick a 21 yard field goal to ice a game, then we're, <laughs> we're having like serious problems. I understand he's a punter, but like, give me a friggin' break, right? Like I've seen frat drunk frat kids make it and make 25 yard field goals in like penny loafers. You know, I mean, like oh, I, I, how a professional kicker can't make a 21 yarder to ice a game is, is beyond me. But it regardless, they get the win. And uh, they they head on the road here to uh, to Vegas to uh, take on the Raiders as two and a half point underdogs. I got to admit, I like what I've seen from Heineke lately. I know we were kind of down on him for a while there, but he is taking care of the ball better. He is making smarter throws. I think he's understanding that you don't always have to throw it into traffic and he's taken off and he's using his legs a little bit more again. I I, kind of like what I've seen from him over the last couple of weeks. And certainly I'm, um, I'm not a huge fan of the Raiders moving forward. Yeah. I'll be curious to see what Brad thinks about Heineke at this point, because I think we were all rightfully down on him earlier Mm -hmm. this year, but, but since the bye week I'm not sure if it's Heineke playing better or just playing behind an elite offensive line, but I'm not sure I care which the reason Mm -hmm. is because if you mash it all together, this is a team that is eighth in EPA seventh in success rate since their bye week, Taylor Heineke fourth in drop pack EPA and success rate. And they had a couple of games there against the Bucks and the Panthers. So pretty decent defenses there in that same span. The Las Vegas defense is dead last and 30th in EPA and success rate. So combine that with that offensive line. I mentioned that is third and first in pass block and run block win rate against a defense that has the lowest blitz rate in the league. So they're only going to have to block four for the vast majority of this game. I think I'm going to bet Washington plus two and a half here, because even when the Raiders have the ball on offense, if you look at the metrics, it's very evenly matched against the Washington defense. And I think the huge mismatch here is potentially with the Washington offense and I'm getting two and a half points. So I'm good with that. Since week eight, your number five graded quarterback in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, is one Taylor Heineke. And this year uh, is drunk, man. Yeah. So since week eight, he is, and that is, a, and that is a higher grade than Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. I the list goes on and on. So Taylor Heineke ahead of all those guys since week eight. Again, that's only one one site's refer, you know metric there for Pro Football Focus. But again, we all respect those guys pretty good. Um, Brad, they're catching two and a half here on the road at the Las Vegas Raiders, which uh, I guess it also kind of depends on how you view this Raiders team going forward, considering that they are still, you know, in theory in the playoff hunt. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The kind of there's been a bit of a change in perception of the Raiders just because they beat those those Cowboys on Mm. Thanksgiving. Everyone watched it. But. You know, I'm not truly buying that they, they've kind of turned a corner. I mean, they had a 35% success rate in that game, which is, you know, that's, that's not normally when you score 38 points or whatever. Um, they, you know, there a lot of those drives were aided by penalties on yeah. pass interference and, you know, there was a lot of nonsense there. So, 
you know, especially without Darren Waller, um, Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson was again limited in practice, so he, he's a bit banged up at his age. Um, so yeah, I'm not suddenly buying that the Raiders' offense is, is suddenly good again. Um, I'm a little bit concerned with this Washington offensive line, just with the injuries. Um, Sam Cosme, the right tackle, he's on IR, and then the center Tyler Larson, he, he didn't practice either. Um, mm. So I'll, I will be wanting to see who's who they roll out there Sunday. Um, you know whether whether they can get the center and and, and the guard back back in there, um, but I, otherwise, yeah, I agree with everything Stephen said. Um, I just I just want the offensive line on the field, basically. Yeah. yeah, thanks for pointing that out, Brad. That's really important. Getting uh, you know, this past week as well, they were eased back in. I imagine that means more reps and more everything this week as well. But the the football team did get back Curtis Samuel into the lineup. They did get back Logan Thomas into the lineup as well. Um, and so they were both on snap count uh, snap counts. I imagine that means a bigger workload for them again this week. Having Logan Thomas, I think, is is pretty massive because yes, he's not on the same level as like a a Kittle and Kelsey, but he had got he had kind of worked himself solidly into that next tier of tight ends. Like he is like clearly in that second tier of tight ends, and as far as playmakers go, and so I I don't want to undersell what it means getting him back out there off of IR and getting him back into that offense, and also taking some pressure off. Of Terry McLaurin, right? Because that's the other thing is when you don't have a Logan Thomas or a Curtis Samuel out there, then teams can really just key on McLaurin because they're not worried about Cam Sims and all that, you know, whatever, all these other wide receivers. But now you put a, a Samuel out there, you put a Logan Thomas out there. McLaurin should have, in theory, uh, Stephen, and this is kind of something that you and I from from a fantasy DFS perspective have, have kind of looked at in the past, right, is that the addition of somebody doesn't necessarily mean the subtraction to a diff- to another player because it can actually create opportunities for them. A hundred percent. Terry McLaurin, I think, is one of the best route runners in the league, but he was getting coverage rolled over to his side. Um, you know, he's last couple of games since the bye week, eight targets, seven targets, seven targets. And, um, you know, he's he's got a hundred yard game mixed in there. So. It could go either way. I mean, you still have Taylor Heineke at quarterback that, you know, we'll see. But I don't know if I want to play any props on McLaurin. But from a fantasy standpoint, I'm certainly more comfortable with starting him in my lineup than I was for a lot of the middle of the season where you'd either get a 100-yard game or less than 50 yards for a lot of these games. So it's, it's, I think it's a little bit more consistent now that these other guys are in there to take some of the the double coverage away from him. Jacksonville Jaguars on the road at the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are 12 and a half to 13 point home favorites, a total of 47 and a half to 48 in this one. Um, Brad, if we take a look here, it's it is a, a couple of teams that are that are reeling right now, but one of them is just much, much better than the other one, at least on paper. Right. I mean, uh, we we think that they are anyway. Comes to find out, we kind of had a we kind of had an idea that that Matthew Stafford was playing hurt. It seemed like he was playing hurt. Then the report comes out on Saturday before the game that yes, he's been playing with not one, not two, not three, but four different injuries in this thing. Though you asked him about it, they asked him about it yesterday, and he said, "Hey, I'm not showing up on the injury report." So you know, whatever. Okay, cool. Um, I am like, uh, I understand we're here on Thursday, and we haven't heard any any anything about this and so I didn't I was kind of just going to skip this game altogether because I thought there was a chance they might play Wolford in this game and like if, if you're if you're really trying to win a Super Bowl which they have claimed to go all in you know and 
why you would roll out your banged up quarterback in a game where you're a 13 point favorite against a, an offense that is absolutely so inept. This Jags offense is the worst I've seen in so, so long with all their guys either hurt or or not being able to do anything or whatever. So uh, I didn't really dig into this one all that much because I kind of thought we'd get some backups here for the Rams. Yeah, yeah, I've not had a bet. I'll, be, I'll, I'll keep it brief. Yeah. Um, you know, as you, as you say on the Jacksonville offense, they, the head coach Urban Meyer was saying after the game that the receivers were still running routes at the wrong depth and they were still <laughs> like running into each other, like 13 weeks into an NFL season. Um, now, they, they've had some injuries, right? They've yeah. lost DJ Shark. They lost their gadget guy who, whose name I've forgotten. Um, so, you know, they're down to like Tavon Austin, catching touchdowns, Lacron Treadwell, like it's, the cupboard is bare. So, you know, I, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing, um, I'm not seeing them scoring too many points this week. Now it's tough, to, it's tough to trust uh, LA as well, because yeah. maybe, it, maybe, you know, they've been 30th in EPA in the entire NFL over the last three games. So is that Stafford being injured? He says it's not affecting his play or is it the McVay offense being figured out? Um, there's a great article over at The Ringer, Stephen Rees, and under McVeigh, the Rams first half of the season, second in the NFL and EPA, second in the and in the second half of the season, they dropped to nineteenth in EPA. Mm-hmm. And they had a quote in there from someone who used to be with the Eagles, basically saying McVeigh has a limited amount of plays. Um, and after a while, everyone's seen them all, and yeah. <laughs> you know how to stop them. And you could see some of that on film in the Green Bay Packers. They, with that pick six, they just knew what was coming. They they ran the route for him, picked it off, ran it back. Um, <laughs> are the Jags smart enough to do that? Probably not. But it's definitely something to look for going forward. You know, maybe as Steven says, we can grab some Cardinals next week against the Rams because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of convinced they're frauds. Uh, Steven, we look at this. I mean, I, there's like zero chance I'm laying 13 points with this current version of the Rams. Like I said, too, like they have every motivation in the world to get guys off of the field fairly early, if at all possible, play a bunch of backups and and try and get healthy. Because again, so it comes out Odell's dealing with a hip pointer. You have the four different injuries with Stafford. Uh, Daryl Henderson's been beat up uh, a couple of different times. Stuff. So like there's a lot of incentive for them to not keep the foot on the gas and not um, keep these guys on the field. So I think it's impossible for me to lay points here with this Rams team because I don't know who's going to be playing in the fourth quarter for them. And, uh, you know, that that at least leaves the back door pretty open for the Jags. So tough for tough for me to back the uh, the Rams here. I think it would honestly, God, I'm not going to play this game, but it, I think I'd either take the 13 with the Jags or pass. Yeah, the, the market has these teams only 11 points apart on a neutral based on closing lines and uh, 12 and a half or 13 is not enough for me in, in L.A. We get the 14 and a half. We can talk. Maybe you can convince yeah. me to plug my nose and, and take Jacksonville. But uh, I, I just I agree with you guys. I'm not sure that the, the market has the Rams properly rated. They still have them above Arizona, Green Bay and San Francisco here at this point. If you look at things, mm-hmm. which d- just doesn't make any sense. It's just based on names. Yeah. It's just based on big names and acquisitions and not on what they're actually doing on the field. So uh I this is but this is not the team I want to try and fade no, them again. No, this is like the Jacksonville I, Jaguars. I, I literally I was having a conversation with someone yesterday, and I was like, I was like, this would be a time where 
if it was any other team except for the Jags, I would yeah, try to come, I mean, I'd like try to come in and take advantage of like playing against the Rams. But it's like I just cannot do it with the Jaguars. I just, like just, give me the Bears, <laughs> plus thirteen. You know, I'll do it. But I can't with Jack. I can't. I mean, Urban Meyer's out here telling people that like they're not their receivers aren't running the right routes, and like he's he doesn't he's outing himself in Prescott. Yeah. He don't give a damn. <laughs> Uh, let's let's hope the Jags get walloped and we get a price next week on, uh, yes. on Arizona. Yeah, that we'll, would be fantastic. We'll, we'll be looking forward. We'll be looking ahead to that one for sure. San Francisco 49ers on the road at the Seattle Seahawks. The 49ers are three to three and a half point road favorites in this one. A total sitting at forty five and a half to forty six. I played. There was a rogue three that popped up. I played it instantly. I played it. I paid a little bit of juice for it uh, when it came the when the hook came off of the 49ers. I don't get this is the most confusing line of the week for me. I understand Debo Samuel is not going to be out there. They are not. It doesn't. It's not going to matter. Like there, there. It doesn't. It's not going to matter in the least bit because you know how it's very easy, guys, to cover um, th- like a spread of three against Seattle score six points. That's all you got to do. Like, I mean, that's how you cover. <laughs> that's how you cover. Like you cover by scoring six. And so like, I, I don't, I, this is the most confusing line of the week to me easily. Steven, I know this is your team. I know you love the, the 49ers here and look, they're going to play bully ball against the Seattle team where it is so evident now after this week, anybody that was any of the Russ apologists that were out there, it is so apparent that he is playing hurt. He is play. He came back too soon. I don't know if he re-injured the thing or if it never even healed in the first place or whatever, but like he was not just missing throws. He was missing throws by 10, 12 feet. It was some of the worst passes I've ever seen in the NFL, not by Russell Wilson. It was some of the worst passes I've ever seen ever in the NFL by any quarterback in like, and it just happened to be coming off of the arm and hand of Russell Wilson. And so how in the hell they are going to fix this in the course of a week and be able to score enough points to keep this within three against the 49ers is beyond me. I I am, I am baffled at, at this. Seattle was really lucky to have that be a two point game last week. There was a questionable overturn of a touchdown from Logan Thomas that would have made that a two score game. Instead, it stays eight and they have a drive and have a chance at a two point conversion at the end. So um, that game didn't change my opinion of of Seattle at this point. I was hopeful that Russell Wilson would look better against the one of the worst secondaries in the league overall in the season. But Washington's playing better. He didn't pass the test. He failed the test, in my opinion. And listen, I still am skeptical of this 49ers team against other contenders because of the the they've kind of backed themselves into a corner in the yep. way they have to play offensively yep. with being one of the most run heavy teams in the league. It's Colts like 2.0, right? It's like it's Colts it, it 2.0. Really yeah, yeah. It's like Jimmy Garoppolo is the 49ers version of Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. Like they're trying to hide him and they want to run the ball. They've even had Debo Samuel running the ball. He's not playing in this game. So I'm looking for spots to fade the Niners for the rest of the season against better teams. But this I can't do it against the Seattle team. So three would be interesting to me if we can get it. Like you said, there's I think there's still maybe one left out there, uh, but this is probably going to be three and a half or four at kickoff. 
Brad, I mean, look, I, I, I'm not a I'm not a long term believer in the 49ers system and offense and everything that they have to that they have to run to have success right now. Like, I actually think that I actually think it's a, a huge kind of like gimmicky type thing that eventually it's just going to not work in the playoffs and someone's going to stomp them if they happen to make the playoffs. But again, like the, the thing is, is that Seattle can't score right now. Like they have a quarterback that's broken, like Russell Wilson's finger is not working, obviously. And so then you get like this this organization that has already like got the oldest coach in the National Football League who already has this mentality that he can't really kind of get with the times. And then they go out and they sign Adrian Peterson. I mean, like, is there anything that says an organization has lost more oh my God, than yeah. going and signing Adrian Peterson? And that's what the Seattle Seahawks team went and did. Like, you're dust anyway. You're out of the playoffs. Go sign three or four young guys and just see what the hell they're, you know, I mean, like you find diamonds in the rough sometimes, like just see if they're worth anything. No, they go and sign Adrian Peterson. If that didn't tell you where they are as an organization, I don't know what will. And um, they have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, <laughs> and he's out here telling people they need to throw to Gerald Everett more in yeah. these games. Like, what are we doing, Pete? Yeah, so um, I don't know. Am I, am I too enthusiastic about this uh, flat three that I found for the 49ers? I mean, if, if, if you want another example of, of this coaching malpractice, I think it was the Cardinals, I can't remember, their middle linebacker came out and said, oh, we, we knew what they were going to run. Like, they've been doing the same mm-hmm. stuff all season. And then Pete comes out and goes, we need to strip back the playbook. Like, we're going to run even fewer plays. And like, you, you yeah. kind of saw that, right? Yeah. They, they come out, they throw play action, or they they run it into the line on first down. And they, they lead the entire NFL in, in three and out percentage. And the, well, they're last in the NFL in number of plays run because... Like they just cannot convert first down at the minute. Um, what to do? How to play it? I, I wondered if under forty six might be worth a look um, with no Debo there. Um, San Fran, they're running it, they're passing it forty four percent of the time. It's it's the most most run heavy team in the NFL. That they're going slowly. Um, you know, I wonder if they just go for the anaconda approach here, just grind it out. Um, on the ground like they've been doing for the past month and um, you know the Seahawks are p- probably helpless to stop it so yeah broadly agree with you guys I- I've not bet it yet but yeah you-, you can only go one way I think here Baltimore Ravens on the road at the Pittsburgh Steelers the Ravens are four four and a half point road favorites here 44 is the prevailing Total um, Ravens escape a game in which Lamar Jackson throws four interceptions and they were still able to win because the Browns can't get any um, can't get any points on the board. And here they go on the road at the Steelers, one of the most inept offenses uh, in the league as well. Brad, this is where I would love to be fading the Ravens. I would love to be fading the Ravens because I don't believe in I, I think of all the teams with really, really good uh, records. I think that this is the most fraudulent team that there is out there. That being said, it's really tough for me to pull the trigger when the team that I want to fade them with is, is the Pittsburgh Steelers, who have looked even worse, I think, than just about every other team in the NFL right now. This is a confusing game for me. I kind of want to take the points with the Steelers, but I haven't done so yet. Um, what do you What do you see in this one? Um, yeah, I've not had a bet. I would definitely lean to the Ravens. Um, I think a couple of things. One, obviously, TJ Watt is out, yes, and that's true. he's been he's been he's been a huge loss for for this Pittsburgh defense, which is already twenty seventh in defensive DVOA, even with him in there. And you know, the last couple of weeks, it just looks like they're gone. Like the Chargers, who we spoke about, a struggling offense. You know, they shredded them for forty something odd. Um, the Bengals last week just had to run the ball; they didn't even really need to throw the ball just to destroy them. So, are they running out of gas? Are they? You know, what's going on there? 
Um, I would say I can also forgive Lamar last week's performance. Um, you know, the the offensive line was not well suited to block the Cleveland mm-hmm. defensive line. Pittsburgh doesn't have that this week. Um, and then he was also ill. You know, they, they were talking about him on the plane to Chicago. He was curled up in a ball in the corner. Guy was hallucinating, didn't know what day it was. Um, and Stefania Bell had a study basically showing, you know, it, it takes a couple of weeks to recover from that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I think we expect more Lamar Jackson, more of what we expect this week. Um, and it should be enough to beat this this terrible Pittsburgh team. Um but yeah, not enough value for me to get involved as it stands. Yeah, Stephen, like I said, it's like I want to fade the Ravens so bad, but it's just if it was any if it was another team sitting there other than the Steelers, it might be far easier for me to do. But since it is the Steelers, it's it's very very tough for me to pull the trigger. And so uh, I, I'm not a believer long term in this Ravens team, but I think um, I think this week this will just be a, a sit back and watch for me. Browns next week, perhaps. Yeah. Oh, you just read my mind, Brad. This is the other look ahead line that I'm betting. I'm betting Ravens minus one against Cleveland in that rematch because I trust Lamar Jackson to get healthier and to look better more so than I trust either this Pittsburgh offense to look better and, and, and the defense look better or for the Cleveland offense next week to get better with their situation, their passing game. So that's that's the play I have this week for Baltimore is on the look ahead line and the rematch with the Browns. I mean, you're asking me to to bet on a team to cover four or four and a half points right now with Pittsburgh this week. That's given up 41 points in back to back games. I mean, they got absolutely steamrolled by Cincinnati last week. They gave up 30 points and a half. Like that I can count on one hand the number of times that's happened in the past couple of years. Yeah, but the, so, the Bengals do have Jesus H. Burrow, though. So there is. They do. Uh, I yes, mean, it's really is. hard to beat the Messiah uh, yeah. and the second coming of Christ. Yeah. So yeah. I, I give them, I, I will say that. But uh, and then before that, they only score 16 points in a tie against the, the Lions. So, I mean, no thank you. Hard pass. The Steelers team is not one of the traditional Tomlin teams that we've seen in recent years. So, uh, yeah, that's, I'm with you, Brad. That's my angle on the look ahead here for next week with the Ravens yeah maybe I'll play a Steelers team total under or something like that in in this one maybe I'll look at something like that I just want to bet I just want to bet against Ben Roethlisberger and his and his and his whatever in the hell he is at this point like I don't even know I mean what th- 26th best quarterback in the league or something like I mean he, yeah he, it's been a soft schedule for the yeah. Ravens the past few weeks they haven't played good quarterbacks but for what it's worth since their last three games they are number one in the league and drop back success rate defense Denver Broncos on the road at the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are currently nine and a half point home favorites. This has come off the 10. This was a double digit favorite. Uh, People were taking the 10 with the Broncos. 47, 47 and a half is your total in this one. Steven, if we take a look here, the Chiefs coming off of a bye. Did they figure something out? Did they add some wrinkles? Did they look at what was working for them on the defensive side of the ball over the last few weeks and figure out how to do more of that, how to how to enhance that? Um, there's, those are the questions we're going to be looking to kind of get answered here from the Chiefs side of things, the Broncos side of things. If we look, they didn't have to do much this past week in to beat the Chargers, the Chargers beat themselves. So like the, the Broncos didn't really have to do all that much in that game. And so I don't know how much we really pull from that one either. Um, it's a very interesting game, very interesting line. When it was sitting at 10, I felt like it was, I had to either take the Broncos or pass. Everybody took that 10. It seems like it's now off that 10. It's down to nine and a half. Um, 
I look, I like the Chiefs long term. I still think the Chiefs are, you know, going to win the AFC. I still think the Chiefs will probably end up in the Super Bowl when it's all said and done. But um, what do you feel like? Do you feel like there's still a work in progress or do you think that like last three week stretch here and then now they got that buy that this is we're about to see the best the best version of the Chiefs? Yeah, I think I think this is back to being one of the the four best teams in the league. And in fact, in our power ratings at the lines, I think the majority of us, maybe all of us voted them number one this week mm-hmm. as the team that we would put as favored over everybody else on a neutral field at this point in time in the NFL season. I will share with you guys that our lead writer, Eli Hershkovich, only has one NFL bet this week. It is in this game, but he doesn't really like either side in the spread. And I kind of agree with him in the fact that, you know, I think the Chiefs are back to being what we need them or what we thought they would be. But I'm not sure I wanted them. I want to bet them close to 10 points to cover a spread. Uh, If you look. This defense is improved. Eli notes that it was the second worst defense in terms of EPA per play through the first seven games in the season. But since then, they are number three in that category. So tangible improvement from this Chiefs defense after uh, how much we criticized them early in the season. So that should shape up pretty well against a Broncos offense that wants to run the ball, but they're probably going to get behind in this game. So you can read more at the lines.com of why he likes it, but Eli's looking at an under in this game. He bet under 47 and a half, but he likes it at 46 and a half or better. So Brad, if we take a look at this, I mean, here's the thing. Teddy Bridgewater has been playing with a a multitude of injuries all season long. He had to come out of the game that past week. There There were some snaps in there for Drew Locke. So you got a banged up Teddy Bridgewater in this thing. And if you believe that the Chiefs are going to get any sort of lead and then they're going to have to abandon running the ball and it's going to be on the arm of Teddy Bridgewater, then I think you almost need to be leaning towards the Chiefs here because I don't think that that's obviously the far least efficient way for this Broncos team to to go about attacking them. And then at that point, I do think it could probably get out of hand. Now, if you think that they have a ton of success running the ball, then I think you probably have to be leaning towards the points here with the Broncos. So it really just kind of it really just comes down to game script and how you think that that it's all going to play out. Yeah, I mean it's it's tricky. So we we do like Andy Reid off a buy, um, especially with some time to think about how they're going to adjust to this cover two stuff that everyone's been playing. Because you would, I would also say that Fangio is like he's the architect of this defensive model. Mm-hmm. Like he, he came up with this kind of cover two stuff, and you know he's been using it on on Mahomes for years to, to decent effect. Mm-hmm. So I do think that they've got the defensive backs, they've got Bradley Chubb back to bring a bit of pass rush, and and the scheme to slow down Mahomes and Co. Again, because. You know, again, the, the best game the Chiefs have had was against the Raiders, who couldn't, who were just running cover three because they're morons. So, you know, I, I do think Denver should have some luck slowing them down. I, I would also say I think the the Chiefs' defense is definitely improved with with Chris Jones back inside, Melvin Ingram on the edge, and then Frank Clark healthy, and you know the the defensive backs healthy as well. So, yeah, I, I quite like that underlook. Um, you know, I wonder if it's worth waiting. Is that is that the one you might see tick up later in the week? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, listen. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, listen. Sunday night games typically, and this isn't always the case, but nine times out of ten, they always they they always tick up. So, like, you're always going to get a better. If you want the under, you wait later, and then and then if you want the over, then you play it now because it, those island games, the chase games. 
the uh, Sunday night games always. People bet the favorites and people bet. So if you want the Chiefs, you want to take the nine and a half because it'll get back to ten. So you want to take them now. And if you want uh, if you want the over, you want to play it now. And if not, then you want to wait because you'll get the ten if you want the Broncos and you'll also get a better number for the under as well. Um, that's just typically how these things are bet. And specifically now that, you know, there's a lot more people betting into these markets, it's going to get that way as well. So I think it's going to be me on the Broncos at plus 10 or a pass. But we uh, we'll see. We got some time until that one gets here and then guys one last yeah sorry one last note on Patrick Mahomes Mm -hmm. here Eli noted I think it's important because he may not be all the way back over his last four games he is outside the top 10 in passing success rate and completion percentage over expectation so um, that might be an angle if you want to back Denver here that that in fact Mahomes has not played his best even though they've been winning games And the premier game of the week, guys, comes on Monday night. New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills. This has a lot of love coming in for the New England Patriots. This thing was sitting three and a half. It went went to three. It is now two and a half at a couple of different books as well. So you you can uh you can get the Bills under a field goal if you want to back the Bills in this one. There are some threes still available out there if you like the Patriots. A total of 42 and a half to 43 here. Brad, when we take a look, we are getting, I believe, my personal opinion, and I'll just let everyone know I played the look ahead. I got the Patriots at plus three and a half. I would still play them at three. So we talk about the number that's available now. I don't care. You don't care what number I got it at. So uh, I have a ticket in the the account already on the Patriots. And it was mainly because when I looked at how these two teams are constructed, you really and truly have a team in the Bills that was almost built to kind of beat the, the Chiefs. But then you have a team in the Patriots that is almost perfectly constructed and built to beat a team like the Bills. And I feel like when you start to really look at these units and where the strengths lie for the Patriots and where the deficiencies lie for the Bills, there's a pretty decent edge for the Patriots in this thing. And so I really loved the three and a hook. I would still take the three for sure. I don't know if I'm playing the two and a half, but would still play the three for sure because I think the Patriots, again, are maybe one of the toughest matchups for the Bills there is maybe in the whole NFL. Yes, I strongly agree. Yeah. Like, I've been eyeing this one for weeks as well. Um, you know, it's the same. It's the same handicap as when the Colts played the Bills, right? Mm-hmm. That they they're just gonna they're just gonna run it down your throat. Um, and the Patriots are, are they're arguably a better Colts team. Like the defense mm-hmm. is better than the Colts. Um, and now the offensive line is kind of fully intact with Trent Brown back there. Um, they're one of the best offenses in the NFL as well, especially as Mac Jones has, has kind of grown into it, you know, in recent weeks. Um, so just looking at the last three weeks, so with, with Trent Brown in there, the, the uh, New England offense is second in the league in EPA uh, added, and then the defense is, is first in the league in EPA added. Like this is this is a team just fully functioning, and as you say, the matchup is perfect for them. And then we've got the the weather factor here. We're looking at potentially twenty mile an hour winds. Well, one team wants to run the ball. One team can stop the run. Mm-hmm. The other <laughs> team can't. So yeah, it's like, I don't know. So Football Outsiders made this game Patriots minus one. And as I've been saying for weeks, Football Outsiders has got the Bills way overrated. Like They gave the Bills defense a bump for last week against the Saints because they're like, oh, look, they've shut, right. they held out a decent Saints offense. But they, there's no there's no, no change in there for the fact that the Saints had zero players. So, yeah, I, I do think the Patriots should be favored. 
Stephen, we look at this one, and 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 as we're as we were uh, as uh, Brad just brought up, which is a, a good point here. So you're looking here; it's going to be wet, it's going to be windy, it's going to be cold. Probably 20 mile an hour sustained winds, probably some freezing rain, if either rain or freezing rain that's going to be coming around. And what we have here also is a Josh Allen who we have seen take a step back this year. His accuracy has, has, has gone back closer to that 2019 version of Josh Allen than the 2020 version here. And so now you're going to get these a wet football in windy conditions and things like that to have to wear the, to where they have to try and move the ball through the air. Cause again, like they're, they're not very good running the ball and, and, you know, they haven't figured out who they even want to make active on game days as far as running the football. I mean, Zach Moss was a, was a healthy scratch this past week in favor of Matt Breda. And so you, you take a look here. I just think that this new England team with that, you know, four different guys that they feel comfortable running the football with and kind of just being an ugly, nasty, dirty situation here. I think this sets up perfectly for this Patriots team against the Bills. Could not agree with either of you more. You guys read my mind. Brad took the words right out of my mouth that I see so many similarities here for the Bills for when they played the Indianapolis Colts. And I'm not saying that the Patriots are going to kill the Bills, but if you're giving me plus three, Mm -hmm. then I'm taking that with New England. If you look at a graph since week four of defensive EPA and offensive EPA, the Patriots are one of the top four teams in the league. And then if you go from week six onward and to kind of give you a point in time there of of what that includes, that's when they played the Cowboys and had that overtime loss and have ripped off a bunch of wins since then. They are they have a wide margin between them and even the second best team in the NFL. That's how good this New England Patriots team has been. It's not that they're just winning games. They're dominating games. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't, I don't have anything further to add in terms of the matchup. You guys said it perfectly. I think they're going to be able to run the ball at will against this Buffalo team. I don't think they're built to stop the run. So you're giving me plus three. I love that matchup. And and the last point I'll just note is that if you look at what the market thinks of the Patriots at this point, they have adjusted them and they have them, you know, about honestly less than two points worse than the bills at this mm-hmm. point. So to get a full three, I think is a gift. Uh, and, and I don't think that those, the market in terms of the closing lines and, and assembling these power ratings to this point is accounting for the specific matchup with how these two teams match up against each other. So all those things mashed together. And I think Patriots plus three is the play here. We talked about the when we were talking about the Washington football team earlier, we were saying maybe shockingly to some people since week eight, the number five overall rated quarterback, according to pro football focus was Taylor Heineke. Well, maybe to some people's shock would be since week eight, the number three rated quarterback in the NFL is Mac Jones. And you, you the guy because like it's yes, the numbers aren't always eye popping. And yes, he doesn't do the sexy stuff where he's escaping and doing these you know, draw dropping plays like a Lamar Jackson or or, you know, throwing it underhand sidearm like Patrick Mahomes and all that. But the guy's just getting the job done. And the other thing that you can really look at is how real how good he's been with the ball as well. Only three turnover worthy plays over the course of that over, over the course of that stretch as well, which, by the way, if you look at some of these other guys, 
uh, 12 for Ryan Tannehill, 10 for Matthew Stafford, Wentz, 7, Josh Allen, 9, Patrick Mahomes, 7, only three turnover-worthy plays for Matt Jones. So he's making good decisions as well, and he's and he's protecting the ball, and he's just doing what they ask of him. And here, there he is at the number three graded quarterback since week eight in the NFL. And so I just think that there is a lot to love here about this. This might be one of my favorite bets. I'm not even going to say the week. I mean, definitely my favorite bet of the week. It might be one of my favorite bets of the season, actually. And I think I will probably, I, again, I have the three and a half in the pot in, in my pocket. I think I'll probably sprinkle a little bit on the money line as well. Is, is Tredavious White out too for this game? He is. Yes. Yes, yes, he is. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's massive. Yeah. I mean, that is absolutely massive for that defense that they not only are having trouble stopping the run, but they are now missing one of the best cornerbacks in the league. I mean, you can't undersell that. Brad, what you feel about a little, maybe a little, maybe a little plus one thirty, you know, on the on the Patriots well, there? What yeah. do you think? A little, little one, little plus one thirty. As I say, I think they're winning the game. Mm-hmm. I strongly, strongly believe they're winning the game. So, um, yeah, well, let's have some minus minus six and a half. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Some of that funky action. Yeah, we'll play some yeah. some alt lines on this one as well. Guys, as always, everything we do absolutely free over the lines of play picks. So go ahead and uh, take a look at all the written content over there that Steven and his team have going. It's awesome stuff every single day, cranking out a ton of different things. Go ahead, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. And uh, also, we're doing a huge giveaway before the for the first of the year. So all you have to do is be a subscriber. You're automatically entered for all of that. Uh, also, over on the lines, Discord channel. There's a little button at the top right-hand corner. Be sure and join over there. We're talking college basketball. We're talking uh, NFL. When golf cranks back up, we'll be talking golf. So we're, we're talking all the different sports over there as well. So be sure and uh, come join the conversation in the Discord channel. If you want to follow Steven at Steven Anders one you want to follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL, you want to follow me at Matt Brown M2. For Brad, for Steven, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 5 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. <laughs>